0: Hello, I'm David, and this is Shiloh, and this is History by the Century. All right, thanks, Shiloh, and we have our second episode. And what are we going to cover today in our second episode, there, Shiloh? We are looking at the second century, Dave. What's it? That what's happening? What's happening in the second century? We got a lot of stuff going on, and I'm really excited about the second century because when, when I first started learning about history, I felt like there was periods of history that I knew, you know, something about. Like, you know, the first century, I knew about some, some stuff that happened there, and then there's, like, a big blank space. How long? You know? How long is that
1: blank space for?
0: Uh, You know, I, I, I'm I a little bit embarrassed, but, you know, let's just say until Columbus, you know, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. There was, like, you know, there was a good 1300 your blank space there but you but know you know, I, you know some names and stuff some names are just kind of randomly thrown in there and you're like oh, yeah you where know, was that guy at like like 1066 battle of hastings i know it's important why, why you gotta go to
1: the battle of hastings Dave?
0: i think that's why we have forks but we'll save that for the uh, 11th oh, century goodness Dave. but you know not i mean i think a lot of people are like that like i asked a few people like hey what do you want to hear about for the second century my favorite answer was ninjas and i checked <laughs> i checked shiloh it, it, I, we're good until the 14th century, and then we're going to talk about ninjas. So we got like
1: 12, 13 more episodes to go.
0: Yeah, but how cool would that have been if they were... You know,
1: it's yeah. okay, but yeah, so second yeah, century. Right. So,
0: Shiloh, why don't you start us off, and I want you to, to give us... Are you going to give us like a roundup of what's going on in the world with different things? Like, you know, yeah. I, what I Tell to, us what's going on.
1: I wanted to focus on what's going on when it comes to religion. Now... When you talk about what history is, people think about, uh, you know, you could talk about geopolitical uh, relations at the time. You could talk about, you know, everything from what the common man was going through in a certain part of the world to what were farming
0: techniques or, you know, different empires, whatever. But or that, Or we could just talk about Rome for an hour. You know...
1: Unfortunately, that's what everyone thinks is the only thing happening in the second century. They go, oh, five good emperors, you know, it's the second century. But I wanted to kind of just focus a little bit on religion because religion affects so much. It affects, you know, art. It affects architecture. It affects literature. So just kind of doing a roundup of what's going on in the world speaking in terms of religion. Starting off in the Americas, we got North and South America, America. Dave, what are the big empires that come to mind when you think of North and South America?
0: Well, you know, I think of course Texas. Then you okay, have right there. The... Yeah,
1: not not happening yet, but yeah.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I think like the Aztecs and the Mayas and the Incas, but I don't know when they were. Right, okay,
1: perfect. So you named the big three Mayan, Incan, and Aztecs. Aztecs and Incan in the second century? don't exist not there not coming around for another thousand years they are okay. way, way far off but the mayan civilization it is it's there in the you know what we'd call mesoamerica right in the middle north of uh, what we'd say south america and just at the at the very southern point of south america or of north america so we're looking at that area around mexico guatemala that's the mayan civilization just a little north of them we have a civilization that is focused around the city of Teotihuacan.
0: Hopefully I'm saying what, that right. What, what, what was the name of that city? You just want me to try and say that again, huh? Teotihuacan. I, oh, wow. That was impressive. Okay. Yeah, you know,
1: it's it, whenever you see uh, in Mexico City, especially those names with X's and Q's, and, yeah, <laughs> and you're not sure how to put those together, there you go. At any rate, Teotihuacan is just a little outside of Mexico City, and it's, you know, anytime you've seen... Big pyramids in Mexico, in the country of Mexico. That's probably what you're looking at. It's the Avenue of the Dead, with the pyramid to the sun, the pyramid to the moon. It's pretty famous, you know. You've, oh wow! And that yeah. was all the Mayans? No, no. That's that that city of Teotihuacan, totally separate oh, okay. civilization. Yeah, gotcha. Little north um, of the Mayan civilization, but we're we're starting with them because they may have been the bigger city, you know, at the time. They're this large city. Obviously, this city starts off. With religious significance. That's what those pyramids are there for. And also, just like the their southern neighbors, the Mayan civilization, they have large pyramids. And so, religiously speaking, we see architecture that's devoted to their religion. We see they're a polytheistic religion. They believe in uh, sacrifice to the gods and uh, respecting ancestors to the point of worshiping uh, ones that have died. So that's kind of what's going on in the North and South America areas there.
0: So and are, with the uh, with the sacrifices, did they do like, you know, goats or lambs or or yeah, you know, yeah I mean they respected their ancestors and they sacrificed stuff. What were they sacrificing?
1: They were. They were sacrificing animals, but it was uh, a really big deal for human sacrifice. So Aye. maybe Yeah. So that was that was a major aspect of, you could say that was the most valuable sacrifice you could make. So moving on, though, you kind of move more east. You go to the Roman Empire. We both know that that was full of of different gods, different cults. It's a polytheistic style religion. I think you're going to talk a little bit more about that, aren't you?
0: A little bit. A little bit, yeah.
1: So without talking too much about the Roman Empire, I want to kind of go into what was going on in Judaism at the time. So we talked in the last episode, Judaism focused in the city of Jerusalem. The temple is there. First century, the temples destroyed. Where do the Jews go once Jerusalem is destroyed by the Romans?
0: Oh wow! Yeah, I don't know. They go to
1: Tiberias. Where's Tiberias, Dave?
0: I think it was. Was it kind of north uh, west of Jerusalem? Yeah, you got on the it. Coast? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Nor, uh, not on the coast, but not, I mean, coast of the Sea of Galilee, but
1: okay. You, you know, that's like, that's exactly
0: what I meant. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you got this town or the city, I should say, Tiberias, and what's interesting about Tiberius is it was founded by uh, one of the sons of Herod the Great. He he founds this city to be his capital. He names it after who? The Emperor Tiberius. You got it. That's it. Second, you know, second emperor of the Roman Empire.
0: Yeah, everybody's always trying to get in good with the emperor. Yeah, you
1: know, so let's name a huge city after. Well, after Jerusalem's destroyed, Tiberius becomes very important for the Jewish people. They, they make this a center of you know, the, the Sanhedrin, their high court meets there. Later on, the Mishnah, the um, the oral traditions of the Jewish people. The oral tradition is put into writing, and that's called the Mishnah. That's done there. And then later on, something that a lot of people really respect today, the Masoretic texts, they're compiled. They're now, it's obviously not in the second century that they're compiled, it's much later. But this city is important because for the Jewish people, that becomes their new center, we could say, in Tiberias, after Jerusalem was destroyed. So, and that's important for a lot of people that, you know, have read the Bible. The Masoretic texts are what the Hebrew scriptures are usually based on, is Masoretic, um, the writings of those, those scribes, those Masoretic people. Okay, so moving on
0: from Tiberias, I want to talk a little bit about
1: Christianity, Dave. Now,
0: okay, how old is Christianity at this point, Dave? 2nd uh, century, so about 100 years old, depending on where you are in the 2nd century.
1: Yeah, you know, you hit the 2nd century, you're talking, they're just starting out around 60 years. And what I wanted to focus on in this time period here is a couple different people. You got Polycarp, and after Polycarp, we have uh, Iranius. So, Dave, which, yes. which one of the apostles did Polycarp uh, follow? Which one did he study under?
0: Oh wow! Um, I can I can I would, tell. I that. would guess. I would guess John just because he was the oldest. You got it, John. Yep. Oh man! Hey, hey. <laughs> what do <laughs> I win? <laughs> you, uh,
1: you. You look like you're surprised that, as I am, that you got that.
0: <laughs> no, I told just like I knew that T- Tiberius was on the Sea of Galilee. I I totally knew that one as well. Yeah. So. so-
1: so what's going? On I really in... should
0: have researched this more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I what I really like about what's going on in this period of time is when the second century hits, all the apostles have died. So where we're hitting in the second century, this time period, is what we call the the time of the apostolic fathers. So it's the ones that studied with or they knew the apostles. They're basically transmitting what they learned from the apostles, and of course one of the the most well-known is Polycarp. He studied under John, so Polycarp really tries to continue that learning from the Apostle John. Now, the next one that becomes important is this this gentleman by the name of Irenaeus. Now, Irenaeus works up in Gaul. He um, he uh, up in which
0: is mo- modern-day France. Modern-day France,
1: yeah, in the city of Lyons. And uh, what happens with Irenaeus is that he he's into another time period. Once though that time period of the apostles has come and gone. You have the section of the Apostolic Fathers, or Apostolic Fathers, and then we go into the time of the apologists. So these are the ones that are writing detailed uh, notes on how to defend Christianity. So Irenaeus fits into this period, and what's interesting about this and why it's important is it's because of ones like Polycarp and Irenaeus that we know what the Greek scriptures, what comprise the Greek scriptures. So you might say to yourself, if you ever looked at at a Christian Bible, you say, well, why are these books... In the, in the Bible? Why are these books in the Christian Greek scriptures? At this time, Polycarp has already mentioned and talked about the different gospels. At this time, Irenaeus has already mentioned the letters of Paul. So this is why these books at this point in the second century are considered, okay, this is what was accepted by the Christians at this time as being part of the Bible, of what they'd consider the inspired scriptures. So those two people, those two uh, individuals are important because it helps us to understand, you know, why do we have the different books in the Bible? What, what Who chose them or, or whatever? You know, why did they, it come down to us like that? At this point, we realized there wasn't anything new being added and it was pretty much already done and set. So that's kind of where we are with Christianity. It's, it's in the beginning of the second century, it's 60 years old. It's It's got different ones that are maintaining what was taught, but we also see an introduction of a lot of different strange ideas coming in, and that's going to come more into the 3rd century. But moving on, we come to Arabia. What's going on in Arabia, Dave?
0: Oh, wow. I I have no idea. That's a good question.
1: Well, uh, when people think of Arabia, they might think of the uh, religion of Islam. Islam has not... um, Islam has not uh, come about yet. Obviously, uh, Muhammad isn't born for another 400 plus years. But um, what we're looking at here is the most important city in Islam is Mecca. And mm-hmm. from what we can tell, different scholars or different uh, historians at this time, they believe that they're referencing Mecca, but they don't actually say the name. So, so it's, it's believed that, yes, it's there, maybe not specifically mentioned by a historian. But they believe it's there, and then the most famous uh, feature of Mecca, the Baqa, this uh, you know large black structure, square structure that's there in, in Mecca. It's already there. It's a polytheistic based religion at the time, but it's established. You know, Mecca is established. It's a city where people go for worship. So that, that's there in, in the um, Arabian Peninsula. Moving a little further east, we come to uh, India. Buddhism is already well-established. But what we want to bring out here is that Buddhism is starting to spread. Why is it spreading, Dave?
0: Uh, it was the Silk Road. They called it the Internet of uh, of that time period just because ideas like Buddhism were spreading along it.
1: Yep, you got it. So the uh, Silk Road is starting to transmit different ideas, Buddhism. And it, it moves its way specifically into China. So what's going on in China? So, Dave, I know you know about the 100 uh, or... It's the Warring States period.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. I call it the uh, Evil Empress Dowager period well, of how, Chinese history. Tell me, about, tell me about this, Dave. Well, you know, like, Chinese history during this time, well, you got the Han Dynasty, which, you know, it lasted for about 400 years. And I, I want to say it was like in, this is kind of the last century of the Han Dynasty. But yeah, it seems like you have Emperor Dowager, or Dow, Dowager, I wow, I don't that's a how tongue, to say that. that's a
1: tongue twister, Dave.
0: You you know this is where I back to you, Shia. Why, why don't you tell me what's going no, on in China? No,
1: you, you you got it.
0: Uh, the
1: obviously the Warring States period is long before the second century. You know, it's long yeah. before that. But what we're what we're focusing on with the hundred or the uh, war uh, Warring States period is that it it lends itself to a time period what we call as the hundred schools of thought, and that's where at this point people realize that they need a change. They need they need to improve in the social, the social uh, way that society functions. So a lot of different ideas start coming up. And this is where Taoism and uh, Confucianism really begin, is in this time. Now, this is before the 2nd century. But what we're going to focus on in the 2nd century is these are well-established. Taoism and Confucianism are very well-established in the 2nd century. It's not something new. People believe in these things. These are, these are very well accepted in the second century. And most importantly, Confucianism, because at this point, the, uh, the governmental authorities are using Confucianism for what, Dave?
0: Uh, I, I, you know what? I think it was kind of to keep the people down, right? Kind of control them? Well, yeah, or um, or or my answer's totally wrong. No, no, yeah, yeah, but I believe you know you talk about the uh, different ways that they
1: would certify someone to work in government.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, that this was the beginning of the uh, the state test, which they still have that today, where you know all the Chinese kids, well, they'll be tested, and it kind of determines their their job and their placement in society and stuff like that.
1: Right. At least until the early nineteenth century or the early twentieth century, they um they used the teachings of Confucianism to help establish if someone could serve if they were qualified to serve in state government. So Confucianism is very important. You know, obviously it's it's a little more mainstream than Taoism at the time. And without going into what each one is, the point of it is is that these are well established. This is the beliefs of the people in that area. And so going from there, knowing how the where the world is at in terms of religion, it kind of helps you think about you know whenever you see art from this time period whenever you hear of music or whenever you hear of poems literature like i said even architecture you see there's always a religious aspect in, in what's going on and that leads us to the next thing the year 105 dave
0: oh that's a big year right there big yeah big
1: year like everybody knows about that 100 the year 105 yeah
0: i know oh, yeah. But, but why don't you tell me what happened then just so that we're on the same page pun intended
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Dave. The year paper was invented Now now we're gonna we're not gonna say okay oh that's it Boom the year paper was invented 105 people have been trying this but we're not talking about papyrus you know when yeah. we look, when we look at like what we talked about in with the Christian uh, community, they were writing the um, Gospel of John there's there's documents of the Gospel of John and, and full. Um, full uh manuscripts of the gospel of john that you're talking about that came literally in the second century the second century is super important because you have christian documents that are literally you know 100 or less years old uh from when the time the apostles lived that's written on papyrus but paper is different paper is it's it's a whole nother product and it was really it's given credit in the year being invented in the year uh 105 by Sai Loon, Chinese man that, that served the emperor. He brought the emperor this beautiful paper. It wasn't in the form of a roll at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And so did they immediately run out of it in uh, Costco after they invented it?
1: That's right. People were standing in line, Dave. You got it. They
0: were saying. Yeah. For, so, uh, uh, you know, of course, right now, we got the uh, the toilet paper shortages due to the coronavirus and. If you're listening to this episode in the future, uh, congratulations on surviving the uh, pandemic. But uh, back to you with paper. It came, so it came in a roll, huh? Uh, not quite. <laughs>
1: but it's it's interesting. Again, going back to the influence of religion. Much later on in the second century, they use paper to uh, make etchings or essentially wow. copies of Confucius' uh, teachings. So you know it just goes to show you again the importance of religion but paper yeah it's it's important it's it's absolutely one of the most important items or, or things invented of all time so dave yes. obviously they were experimenting with paper they they didn't just come out of thin air and we might think about today dave are we living in the modern day first century is it is it a or second century is it a repeat all over again i mean Right now, do you use paper? Do you, are you taking any notes? Do you have notes on paper right now in front of you? Or? You know,
0: I, I have my phone in my hand with my notes on it. Right. And, uh, you know, what, what do they say on the office? Delivering paper in a paperless world?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um Paperless world, you said it. Can you think of any of the predecessors? You know, we obviously paper, when it was in, created, let's say in in the year 105, it had some some little experiments beforehand. Can you imagine, or can you tell me about any of the experiments beforehand of this paperless world? Do you remember any of the uh,
0: innovations before wow. tablets and phones came along? Well, didn't I thought didn't Microsoft come out with a tablet before the iPad, but it just didn't take off? Right. Yeah, I believe you're right. How about I'm going to throw one out to you. How about the old. Palm Pilot Dave. Oh, I remember those. Hey, were you one of those guys that, like, had them on their belt? Like, we call PDAs, right? PDAs? Didn't you tell me you got in trouble for PDAs? No, I definitely never got in trouble for PDAs. Um, but, uh, public display of affection. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, well, I got in trouble with HR for that, but I work for myself, so it's okay, I smoothed it over. Um, but... <laughs> Hey, can I, uh, you know, so man, so yeah, we're, I guess we're in the modern day changing of the guard, you know, like you went from like papyrus to paper and now we're going to, you know, uh, (laughs) still laughing about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So here we are.
1: The real question is, are we in a time period where it comes along every, what, every 2000 years? We went from, we went from writing on dried animal skins to now we have paper Dave, we have iPads, we have tablets, we have electronic things. What's going to be the next thing? What are we going to? Yeah. How are we going to communicate in two thousand years? How will we we be communicating, Dave?
0: Are we going to replace toilet paper with something else?
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, how will we?
0: You know, who knows? Yeah. Hey, so Shiloh, could I ask you my trivia question of the day? Which oh, I'd love to hear. Is, it's about a uh, second century paper so you know like they they were inventing a ton of stuff like china also in the second century they invented the compass and like right. there's no record of a compass in other parts of the world until like the year 1200 i think in uh arab lands but right. it's funny like if, if you invent anything and you want to know like when was it invented in china it was always like 500 to a thousand years before the west but so when paper was first invented what was the first use of paper now it's multiple choice shiloh okay and uh, our listeners at home can, uh, can play along. So, the first use of paper, was it for A, writing, B, clothing, C, armor, or D, toilet paper?
1: Oh, man. I'm going with A, writing, just as a blanket guess.
0: Man, that was a good guess. And that was a trick question, because there was actually two correct answers for the first use of uh, paper. Okay, so get this. When paper was in first invented, it was actually too rough to write with until they like really got it down. So the first thing they used it for was toilet paper and clothing, believe it or not. So you're telling me
1: that toilet paper, that was the real... That was the real breakthrough. I should have. I should have written about one hundred and five being the year that toilet paper was invented.
0: Well, you know, it's kind of funny. Well, but they did use it for armor later too. Like they would like compress it and do a bunch of it. But I mean, you had to like think about it. Like, what what was the name of the guy who invented paper? Uh, well, the one that
1: brought it forth was Siloon.
0: Yeah. So, like this, he you know he invents paper. You know, and he takes it to his friend. He's like, "Hey, I've invented paper. It's going to revolutionize the world. We can write on it. We're going to have printing a few hundred years from now. We're going to have three-color printing on this. We're we're going to make paper money." And he's just like, "Oh, that's cool. Hey, can I borrow some of that?" He's like, "Why? Eh, no reason." It's like, "Hey, I guess you don't like that joke, huh?" I worked uh- on that for a long time, Shiloh. <laughs> No, I was
1: just thinking, it actually makes sense. That's what I would have said to you. If you would have brought that to me, I'd have been like, hey, could I borrow that for a second? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right, there you so,
1: go. so, Dave, tell me about Rome. I know, you know, everybody during this time period, the second century, Rome. Dave, what have you got yeah. to tell us? I know well, you're excited.
0: I, you know how I said everybody wants to talk about Rome. And yeah. I think the only thing I'm going to talk about in this episode is Rome. Uh I went down the uh the five emperors rabbit hole and that's pretty much all I researched. Now uh, is, hey, it, is it just is it just five emperors or are they is there well some it's kinda... the five good emperors. Ooh, and nice. so Shiloh, I had a question from one of our listeners. Oh okay. And I was wondering, so why were they the five good emperors? was it because they were like good guys and we want to imitate them? They had nice qualities.
1: Oh wow. Um I'd say they were good because I, you know what, I I don't know when you put it like that. I don't know if I would call them good. I'd say they were good because they yeah. they made Rome, you know,
0: expand
1: and a little more lucrative. But they weren't the best guys I would want to imitate. Yeah, yeah,
0: like know? they were bad people that were good at being the emperor of Rome. Uh, you know, okay. and okay. and hey, while we're talking about Rome, could I ask you my my would you rather question of the episode? Oh so wow, what, yeah. Okay, so you you just cover like I'm just talking about Rome. But you covered, like, North and South America. You know, you went all the way east to China. So, if you were living in the second century, would you rather live in China, Rome, or over in uh, Central America? Wow. Um, definitely Central
1: America. I think they were they were cleaner. They thought using taking baths and using flowers and
0: really eating wow. some,
1: yeah you know what they believed in like hey guess what mm. smelling bad is not good we, we should huh. clean, we should clean ourselves and you know we should you know take care of our, our you know hygiene we want to uh, eat healthy you know let's have some chia seeds you know i'm a, <laughs> you, you don't you live in austin dave
0: yeah you know it's like eat healthy but also sacrifice people you know it's, it's, yeah, there's, a, there's a trade-off in there somewhere <laughs> i don't, I wouldn't want to live in rome and you know i mean
1: as much as i love china i don't think i could ever get the language down right so yes, yeah. I, I speak spanish of course they didn't speak spanish and
0: I, I, that was a good you know i wouldn't have expected that answer that was good i think i would pick china personally but i mean that's just because of toilet paper i think i <sighs> mean You don't even want to know what they used in Rome. I mean, they were, I mean, it was, I'm not going to go into it.
1: They were getting getting rhubarb just for laxatives. They were all messed up.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. what they used for toilet paper was reusable. So you don't, yeah, you don't want to live in Rome. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm
1: from, yeah, yeah, North and South America, somewhere around the the Mesoamerica area.
0: All right, so we're going to talk about the five good emperors, which bleeds a little bit into the first century just to get us started. But you've got Nerva. Who's number one. And Nerva was basically the emperor because the emperor died and the Senate was like, whoa. Well, as you know, what happens when the emperor dies and there's no successor?
1: Uh, war, war. Always. War, war. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So the, they're like, okay, we got to pick a guy quick. Who's somebody that, like, is kind of non-offensive and, you know, gets along with everybody and will die soon so we can pick somebody else? So... They picked an old guy named Nerva who he, he was like uh, an advisor. He was always there for like several emperors and everybody just like kind of liked him. He wasn't good. He wasn't bad. So they're like, yeah, let's let's pick Nerva and he'll die soon anyways because he's old. And uh, yeah, so that's why they picked Nerva. Just he was kind of a stopgap until the one that they really wanted. And so then they're like scheming. They're trying to figure out who's going to be the next emperor. And he does kind of a good job. Like he prevents civil war. And he kind of lands the big thing that a lot of emperors gets wrong, and that's that he picked a successor. And back then, it was kind of interesting, usually with emperors, the way they would pick a successor is they would handpick the person that they wanted to be the next emperor, and then they would legally adopt them. So, for example, like that's what Julius Caesar did with uh, Octavius. Uh, who was later Caesar Augustus, he adopted him. But usually that's what you did. It was rare that it went from father to son. It did happen sometimes, but most of the time they would pick somebody, they would adopt them. So he kind of, last minute, he adopts Trajan. And Trajan was this general. And I'm not going to talk very much about Trajan. You could do an entire episode about Trajan, but he basically expanded Rome to its biggest that it ever was. And from that point on, it always shrinks for like the next hundreds of years. So with Trajan, if you look at a map of the Roman Empire, that map was made whenever Trajan was the emperor. And so we're going to get into the guy number three, Hadrian. Now, Shiloh, I want to do a little game. Now, I didn't tell you ahead of time that I was going to do this, but I want to do fill in the blank. You
1: never tell me about any of your games, Dave.
0: Well, if I did it, it wouldn't be interesting. So we're going to do fill-in-the-blank, okay? I'm going to say a word. You say the first word that comes to your mind. Hadrian's... Nose. (laughs) Okay. Wall. Wall. Beard. Wall beard. What
1: is it? What is it? He had a beard (laughs) wall. He had a wall beard? Beard (laughs) wall. It was something with a beard or something with a wall.
0: Okay, so... Most people, when you th- you think of Hadrian, except for you, would say Hadrian's Wall because, like, that's what he's known for. In England, you have this 75-mile-long wall that goes across England, and that's kind of what he's known for. But he did a ton of other stuff. Like, I feel like Hadrian is kind of like Leonard Nimoy, and the wall is Spock. Like, Leonard Nimoy, like, people meet Leonard Nimoy, and they're like, oh, hey, you're Spock. And he's like, no, I'm Leonard Nimoy, and I've done a lot of other stuff. And you're like, okay, whatever, Spock. Like, I feel like that's the way is with Hadrian. What are your thoughts on this, Shiloh? Wow, Dave. You have to bring it to Star Trek again, don't you? Yeah, well, I like Star Trek. I was kind of like on a Star Trek rant whenever I uh, when I was researching this. It kept popping into my head. So you're saying but... that uh, Hadrian made you think a lot about Star Trek? I don't know why I did th- Well, you know what it was? It was the beard. Because uh, like oh. he, gr- he was the first emperor that had a beard because he was obsessed with Greek culture right yeah. and uh they even called him the like grecolis or the little greekling and greeks had beards and romans didn't but he was the first emperor that had a beard and then he was one of the five good emperors i kind of thought it was like in between uh uh first and second season of star trek the next generation riker jonathan frakes he uh he grew a beard and like among sci-fi nerds that's kind of known as like the turning point for star trek when it started getting better They even okay, that's like let me just let me just stop you there yeah. We're just, okay.
1: We're just gonna we're just gonna stop you there. Yeah. I like I like um, that Hadrian had a beard. Yeah. I do like that right there. That that's just okay. that's just amazing.
0: Yeah, but like when Riker grew a beard, that's when it got better. Same thing with Hadrian. Oh, but you're you're gonna stop me with the Star Trek references? Yeah. No more Star Trek references. Okay. I had a few, but I'll 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 dial it down. Okay. So. Uh, but, anyways, where was I going? Man, you really derailed me. Okay, so with Hadrian, okay, you could talk a ton about Had- Trajan, but Hadrian, there was like this weird stuff that happened, starting with the way that he became the emperor. So, right, there's two stories for the way that Trajan or Hadrian became emperor. Story number one Trajan on his deathbed says, Hey, I'm adopting Hadrian. He's the emperor. That's nice, you know? Story number two is way more interesting. It's unconfirmed. And I like to say that history is stranger than fiction, but unconfirmed history is... You even know, better even, than fiction. Even better did, than... Yeah, can I go. just ask you, did Livy do it? Did... Oh, Olivia. <laughs> Olivia, you know, she I think she killed everybody in the first century. Oh, okay. But, oh, uh, 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 but so anyways... Um, so according to story number two... Trajan dies without an heir, and his wife has been like bugging him for like you know months. Hey, you have to make Hadrian your heir. He's great. We got to do this. But he dies, and so she's like, "What am I gonna do?" So she hires an actor to play Trajan, and on his deathbed, appoint Hadrian as his heir. And like you got to think about it, like how cool of a that's got to be the the uh, you know the gig of a lifetime for an actor. Like you're picking. The next ruler of the most powerful nation on the earth. Like, what, I mean, what if he had just like to mess with them and like pick somebody else, you know? Or like, what if he had done a bad job, you know, and, and somebody else, it, it could have led to civil war if nobody was picked. I mean, and it's basically the, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Dave, uh, but I mean, basically what happened there was what happened in the movie Dave where, you know, the, uh, the, the, Pre- you didn't see. It was a great movie. The president goes into a coma, and then they get a lookalike to play the president. But he does a better job at being the president than the president was. It had Kevin Kline came out in the nineties. Upbeat. I. Uh, you know, I'm drawing a blank. I. I feel like we watched very different movies growing up.
1: But the funny thing is, we watched a lot of the same movies growing up, and I mean, like together we watched movies growing up. I don't remember Dave.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I liked it because it was, you know. Your name. Yeah. Like oh. if there was a movie called Shiloh, you'd probably like it.
1: <laughs> it's a there's a book about a dog
0: named Shiloh. Oh yeah, did they ever make that a movie? They might have. Anyway, so what happened yeah. to Hadrian? Um, you know, I I completely forgot. Yeah, so you got Hadrian and he's like this uh I kind of think that he he was kind of like a like a, I think of him like a, a Jeff Bezos type or like a CEO type where he was I shouldn't say Jeff Bezos did I say that wrong No that's great Yeah yeah but so anyways like he was just kind of nonstop so he he was for half of his time as emperor he was not in Rome he was just he was just traveling around he would go to an area and he would like build up the troops and like when he was in Rome he would do like all his garb, but when he was out there. He would, you know, he would dress like the common man. He would walk with the troops. You know, he had his big beard, and uh, he would, like, talk like them. He'd make jokes. And then, usually, he would have them build walls, you know? Like, it wasn't like Hadrian's Wall, if you know, was just in England. He made walls all over the Empire. And I remember you said something that was kind of new to me, because I always thought that, like, with those walls, especially in England, you know, you had Civilization on one side and the barbarians on the other, just like crashing up against the wall with their kilts and their bagpipes, you know, trying to get in. But you you said that there was like a different reason for those walls. What what was it that you brought out? Because I researched and I was like, oh yeah, Shiloh's right. Oh, you know,
1: I I didn't really like walls because it's really like a way to control again control the people, and so a wall doesn't just keep people out it controls who's coming in and going out and it also you're able to tax people you're able to know who's you know coming and going and it's, it's a form of a revenue basically you create a wall and you you've also kind of created control of what's coming in and what's going out in the form of money too
0: yeah so it, it wasn't exactly for protection but it was like hey if you had this tribe in england you put a wall right through their territory they can't unite and whenever they want to, like, trade goods, they have to go through specific points, gates, that you have control. And you can tax them as they come through. You can know what's going on. And it was just this huge projection of power. When they first built Hadrian's Wall, it was uh, uh, whitewashed. It had plaster on it and whitewashed. So when you looked at it from a distance, it would glean white in the sun. So Hadrian, uh, he would walk around. He would uh, put up these walls. He would encourage the troops. Um, but he was like he was kind of a mixed bag. He did some some things that a lot of people really hate him for. Uh, for example, uh, he put down the third Jewish revolt, and part of the reason for that was he you know, he was on his travels. He gets to Jerusalem he's like, "Hey, let's give this a good Roman name. changed its name, and it was kind of like the last straw. But with the Jewish revolt, the third one, they estimate that about six hundred thousand Jews were killed. I mean, if you think about that number, I mean that's huge. I mean that's like if you, if you were to fill up like uh, NRG Stadium in Houston twelve times, it yeah. fits fifty thousand people in there. Or it's you know it's a medium-sized city, yeah. uh, and it, the the Jews hated him so much that I think down to this day they even gave him the epitaph. They say, "May his bones be crushed," uh, just because he killed a good chunk of the Jewish population.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And there's another story with Hadrian that's that's very uh, it's, if you try to put it in today's terms, it's just so strange, and I was trying to figure out how to tell this story, because, you know, like, my kids listen to this, I was trying to keep it g-rated, so I think the only way I can tell this story is if I put it, uh, in modern terms, so Hadrian was the ruler of the world, think about, or not the ruler of the world, the ruler of the Roman Empire, think about the, a ruler of today's world power, the United States in the 20th century, like, let's say, let's take John F. Kennedy, Oh great! And uh, so, like, I'm not gonna do my JFK impression, you know, uh, you know, from like Mass, like chowda, uh JFK, but, like you're talking
1: John F. Kennedy.
0: Yeah, yeah, John F. Kennedy, like from Massachusetts. Yeah, like, yeah, Massachusetts. Like you pack the cat, have it. Yeah. <laughs> how do you say, wait a minute?
1: How did John F. Kennedy? How do you say car keys in Massachusetts? Car keys?
0: Car keys. I think they just say car keys, right? No, no, no.
1: They say khakis what do you what is what's those tan pants what do they say the khakis khakis Khakis. <laughs> so you're talking about the john f kennedy
0: yeah so okay. imagine this okay. Okay. so john f kennedy you know they, they said he was the first president made for tv uh this didn't happen but imagine marilyn monroe dies john f kennedy he comes on tv and he announces to the nation hey there was this woman marilyn monroe uh this is what happened with her and uh You know, we had an affair, but I'm not sorry. And I'm going to rename the place where she died. Uh, We're going to make a city. We're going to name it Maryland Town, and I'm going to start a new religion. We're going to call it the Cult of Maryland. I'm going to open up temples. We're going to open up churches. And by the time it's all said and done, there's more people that worship this cult than there are Christians.
1: Wow, that's that's, that's all happening in the second century.
0: Yeah, now it sounds like a pretty crazy story, and I like to say, you know, that history is stranger than, than fiction. And that exact thing happened. Hadrian, uh, he had an affair and in that time period, you know, that was normal. Like people, especially the emperor had affairs, but they had a real double standard with it. Um, they had things that were kind of like winked at and things that were in public. They would talk down upon like, uh, about a hundred years before this, Caesar Augustus actually made laws on morality. They were written into the the law code. And uh, it was kind of interesting, two of those laws, he was looking for a government official to enforce those laws, and he was looking around, and he found the guy who did the census, and he said, hey, you are in charge of laws on morality. You're not doing anything right now. And so the census, who was called the censor, was in charge of morality laws. And that's where we get the word. If something is censored today or censorship, it's just because 2,000 years ago, the guy who was in charge... Of laws on morality also was in charge of the census, kind wow. of a fun little you know Latin to English wow. fact there. I got a little sidetracked there. That blew, but... that
1: blew my mind. You know what? Love. To oh yeah, Dave. but so
0: so. Anyways, Hadrian had an affair, uh, and kind of the twist was it was a man. It was a, a guy named Antinous, and in Roman culture, that was publicly frowned upon, privately winked at. And so he had this affair. Antinous dies and hadrian makes him a god he deifies antinous and it was really looked down upon in society they're like hey you know you need to uh, keep this quiet like what you do on your personal life isn't any of our business but he made him a, a god and he started it was called the cult of antinous and the thing is it spread like wildfire, uh, wildfire. And they think the reason it spread so much was partly because of people who genuinely worshipped Antinous, but also because as Hadrian traveled around, you know, if if you were in charge of a, an area, if you were a governor or some municipality, you hear Hadrian's coming, you want to impress him, so you throw up a temple or a statue to Antinous. And so in the ancient world, they think that there was about 28 temples, 70 different towns where they had worship of him. Uh, 2,000 statues, and about 125 of them have surri- survived to our day. Uh, to give you an idea, I-, I couldn't find an exact list. I know it was 115. I couldn't find an exact list of some other famous person who has statues, but I, I looked up uh, Caesar Augustus. There's about 25 modern-day statues of him from antiquity, so about five times as many of this guy Antinous from the 2nd century. And He's I- one of the most well-known faces of the ancient world, actually.
1: Right, and I've seen, uh, at least, if it's not an original, at least replicas of this in the Met Museum. It's it's pretty amazing how important this, this became at the time.
0: Yeah, and they say that in the 2nd century it rivaled uh, the number of adherents to uh, Christianity. It took off so much. So, I'll, I'll, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll get off Rome. Uh, next you have uh, uh, Pius, um, and I'm just going to skip him. And we'll go right on to, uh, unless you had something you wanted to add about Pius.
1: Well, you know, I think you're doing a great job, Dave. Well, who's after Pius?
0: Oh, well, everybody's favorite emperor, Marcus Aurelius. And the thing about Marcus Aurelius is, uh, you know, when Pius died, the Senate comes to him, and they're like, hey, we want to make you emperor. And he's like, okay, I'll do it, but on one condition. You have to make my little brother, little brother, Lucius Verus, my co-emperor. And so they're like, well, uh, if we don't do that, then, you know, we're going to have civil war. So, yeah, sure, you can have a co-emperor, which is kind of rare because people usually – and, Shiloh, I see you're raising your hands, but, yes, I will call on you. Go on. Well, you know, I was just thinking if if the Senate ever came to me to make me an
1: emperor, I would obviously say, oh, I'm not the right man for the job. But if it has to be, I would – want you to be my co-emperor Dave
0: <laughs> oh thanks Shiloh you too well hey would you do the eastern empire or the western empire oh I'm taking the eastern empire oh that's that good because I wanted west yeah west hey, falls west good.
1: falls apart it's just a it's a wreck over there well it,
0: it's not going to fall apart when I'm the emperor well that's fine but I want the <laughs> east man <laughs> okay so anyways you have Lucius Varus and him being co-emperor and you might think that's kind of weird but that was pretty common in Rome like you had the consuls where it was kind of like the president where you'd have co-presidents uh, for a year. or co um, And I always think of that episode of The Office where Jim becomes co-manager and he's like, oh, this has never happened before. You know, you've never heard of a co-captain of a, a ship. But, uh, J- you know, Jim Halpert was wrong because it happened in Rome all the time. And some people think with Marcus Aurelius, he had the foresight to realize it was too big of a job for one person. So he had his little brother as co-emperor, and he was kind of a playboy. Like, he didn't really do anything, but he delegated, like, really well, and he picked good people to be in charge of stuff. So he actually did a good job in that even though he didn't do his job, he picked people that were really good to do his job for him, and so it kind of made him look better. But so anyways, Marcus Aurelius is this, you know, he's one of the most well-known emperors in all of Roman history. Uh, He wrote a journal that a lot of people, like, still— Look at for advice today, but during his reign, you have the Antonine Plague, and they're not sure exactly what it was, but they think that it killed possibly five million people. Yeah, that's, uh,
1: a, that's a big. That's a big uh, portion of the population at this
0: time. Yeah, so it wasn't worldwide, but they think that in the Roman Empire, it, it may have killed about ten percent of the population uh in some areas it was as much as a third so it completely changed everything a lot of people think that it was the beginning of the fall of the roman empire uh even though that took hundreds and hundreds of years they think it was the beginning of the end and uh you know shiloh i i thought this might be a good back to you moment because i think you were going to talk a little bit about somebody that was involved uh with talking about the Antonine plague is that correct with galen
1: yeah you know i just wanted to make a little side note on uh Galen. Sometimes the Antonine Plague is called Galen's Plague, but really, I don't want to do him a disservice by mentioning just his name for a plague. Really, Galen. Galen the Physician. You know, we could say he is the most famous doctor of the Roman Empire. The thing about Galen is he was born over on the um, Greek-speaking side of the Roman Empire. He's born in Pergamum, and he's a doctor that he studies all over the Roman Empire, but um, really he, he kind of gets famous or gets, gets his uh, good experience and knowledge from taking care of gladiators
0: that fight. Really? Yeah, so Galen... Like taking care of them in the sense that the mafia takes care of people? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, as in when,
1: when their legs and their arms are you know cut and he has to figure out how to... St- glue and sew muscle back together he he's the man he's the guy you want to go to he studies in alexandria he learns you know the city of alexandria he, he learns a lot from from the, the best minds in medicine at the time and he's a follower of the idea of the hippocrates you know this is the man that that's even to this day the hippocratic oath is based on you know the the philosophy, the ideology of this Hippocrates. so galen he he moves to Rome eventually he's a physician to some of the emperors. I believe he's the physician for um, Marcus Aurelius oh wow during this time so he he's you know in the employ of the royal court but uh, something that i I think is interesting about Galen is that his teachings basically are held as as basically the the truth, uh, the fact of of medicine for over a thousand
0: years. And one of his big things... That's that he a ta- long time. That's a long time. So I mean, like when you look at stuff people said like in the 60s, you're like, oh, wow, they were dumb. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know,
1: you're looking at what Galen taught becomes, you know, pretty much the standard for a thousand years. He's actually, if not the most, one of the most... Um, uh, read Greek writers of all time. So when you think of Greek writers, oh, wow. he, may, he may have put out the most Greek literature of any Greek writer. You oh, know. wow, that's amazing. So he just wrote about everything. He wanted to write about what symptoms of a, of an illness might be. He was very into prognosis versus diagnosis. He wanted to be able to say... Based on what we're seeing here, this is what's going to happen next. So really interesting, this, this, uh, this Galen. Um, but probably you know the thing that you think about this time is, is what's going on in the medical field. He can't get his hands in, in dealing with uh, actual human bodies. He tries his best at, at um, treating illnesses to live patients, but we all know... One of the best ways to learn about human anatomy, which he was very much interested in, is by doing, you know, dissection. And he could only use animals. Because at this time in the Roman Empire, uh, doing a dissection on a dead body on a cadaver is illegal. Huh. So he got his best experience treating gladiators. So, you know, you think about what that translates to our day. Imagine if your doctor, the best experience he could get really was treating gladiators you know dave wow. that kind of reminds me of your doctor right <laughs> didn't, you, didn't you say you went to the doctor the other day? and
0: um you said he, he, I, have, he, he... <laughs> I have no idea where you're going with this <laughs> yeah imagine imagine
1: going to the doctor and realizing that this guy has gotten all of his experience treating <laughs> warriors and fighters, you know. <laughs> hey, this is this is what we do out in the field, Dave. But yeah, no. So he got yeah. most all his experience from, you know, as far as human patients. He got him from working with these gladiators. But he did do a lot of different experiments and and uh, dissections on animals. So he learned a lot uh, for that thousand plus years. All his teachings on um, um, anatomy came from doing uh, dissections on animals. So, so he contributed a lot to the medical field.
0: So you're saying that it was illegal to do like a post-mortem. Right. Yeah. But it was Is... legal to kill somebody in the, the gladiatorial arena. Like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you could have these horrible gladiatorial games and just. That kind of reminds me of uh, of another one of the emperors, Dave. What, what was Oh going
0: man, on? are are we go- are we going there?
1: Yeah, after the five good emperors oh, who came out. Oh off.
0: man. Well, okay. So, you know, part of the reason they're called the five good emperors is because emperor number 6 They're was not called like, the, they're not called the
1: six good emperors.
0: Yeah, cuz he was really bad. Like he um you know how like some some brides will get like really ugly bridesmaid dresses just to like make them look better? You know, wow, like wow. I so Commodus is the ugly bridesmaid dress.
1: Wow, he, that is now absolutely if, horrible.
0: If you're going to understand Commodus, I just I want you to think back, Shiloh, to the time when we met when like, you know, we were like 1920. Now, think about back when you were 19 and like your 20s, like a lot of people look back to like with their teens and their 20s and they might have some regrets, like maybe some like, oh, I really wish I hadn't said that or I really wish I hadn't done that. You know, or you think, like, oh man, I was so dumb. Now, imagine, you know, that you at 19 or maybe, you know, just some guy that you know that's 19, you are made the leader of the most powerful nation in the world.
1: Oh, I'd be horrible. You, at, yeah. No. Yeah. Not a you have,
0: I mean, and you think about like people in their 20s, like they're, and, and like their teens, they're petty. Like, I mean, people will eviscerate others with text messages or social media but like imagine that you have 30 legions under your control that nice. was Commodus wow you know and the thing is so he's 19 he was given uh he was made co-emperor with his dad Marcus Aurelius at the age of 14 and then at 19 his dad dies he's given uh sole power of the emperor uh, of the empire he was the emperor and the thing is if, if he was alive today, we would know him as, he was basically a serial killer. He was a horrible, horrible person. And I don't want to go into uh, too much detail, uh, but the more you learn about Commodus, like a lot of times when people talk about somebody as being really bad, they'll be like, oh, he's as bad as Hitler, or he's the next Hitler. But when you learn about Commodus, you almost wonder, like, why don't people say, oh, that person is as bad as Commodus? Because he was really a bad dude, and just one brief thing without going into detail is he is the emperor was at the top of the social structure at the very bottom of the social structure you had slaves and you had, and you had gladiators and he trained as a gladiator and he would go and fight in the arena almost every single day but he had a perfect record because it was never a fair fight right. uh and uh you know either they were pre-injured or they were given a lead sword and did you know that there was there was only one gladiator that ever survived uh and you know how he did it?
1: No, what happened?
0: Well, he showed up in the arena. Uh he had this giant lead sword that was, you know, super heavy and he just throws it on the ground and says, "Yo, I don't need this. I'll just take yours." And it scared Commodus so so much he was like, "You know what? We're going to call it a tie. You get to live." But besides that, he was just a horrible, horrible person. So, the thing about Commodus is you had a lot of stuff that was going wrong in the empire already. You know, you had the Antonine plague, You had uh, hordes of quote-unquote barbarians coming down uh, from, you know, the outskirts of Rome. There was a lot of stuff that would have caused a crisis if you had a sixth good emperor. But instead, you had a guy in his 20s who was a really, really bad person. And so it just kind of exacerbated everything. And so by the time he's, I think, 31, uh, you know... He was assassinated, and you know you had the next guy come to come in charge so
1: well, I think that that's a nice way to lead into the uh, the next episode, kind of get people um, expecting what we're going to talk about for the next episode. We're going to go into the crisis
0: oh the yeah, century, the third I mean. the crisis yeah. of the third century
1: and obviously, there's a lot going on in the rest of the world, but I'm
0: only going to talk about Rome, Shiloh.
1: Yeah, you know what? You're going to be a resident Rome expert.
0: No, I'm just but kidding. To fit- to- I'll, I'll, I'll try to f- find some other stuff to talk about, too.
1: No, Dave. No, Dave. You tell Rome like no one else. Because don't you still speak Latin?
0: Uh, no. I, well, nobody speaks Latin. It's a dead language. It's just something that you use to annoy your friends.
1: Right. So to finish off for this week, I wanted to briefly mention a man that lived and died probably around the year 170 Oh, wow. CD. Okay. He dies towards the end of the uh, second century. And just briefly touch on, we talked about Galen, the physician, the doctor, and all his contributions to the medical field. But I wanted to finish off with talking a little bit about science. We have Ptolemy. Um, Do you believe in science? May, yeah, yeah, right. It, that name might sound familiar when we think about, you know, the general of Alexander the Greats, Ptolemy, who starts the Ptolemaic dynasty in Egypt. But by this time, we're talking second century, it's already come and gone. Rome's Rome is in control of Egypt, so when we say Ptolemy, we're not talking about. We he may have been related to that royal line, oh, but really? at this wow. point, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. You know, it, but it was also a popular name, so it's not really necessarily um, confirmed whether he was of that Ptolemaic dynasty, whether he's royalty. But the uh, the big takeaway from Ptolemy is that he was a he worked on geography and he worked on uh, astronomy. So he gives us a map of the world at this point. So 2nd century, we have a map of the world. And big spoiler, Dave, even he didn't think it was flat.
0: Oh, really? So he wasn't a flat earther?
1: He wasn't a flat earther. But there little, little uh, side note, he thought the Earth was the center of our galaxy. Oh, wow. Or universe. What, wait, what am I talking about again?
0: Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm pretty... Solar system! Yeah, our solar system. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Me and Ptolemy would have been best friends. No, so... He believed that the Earth was the center of our solar system. He believed that the sun orbited around the Earth. Okay. So we got the the geocentric model. You ever heard of someone that's um, ecocentric?
0: Uh, they're a little. They're a little, They're a little different. I, then you got I, the I definitely e- do have. You mean e- was yeah. it uh, e- egocentric or ecocentric? So I was gonna go through eco and then ego. huh. Means they're they're self-centered. Yeah, it comes from the now, Latin now, word now, ego, which means. Like I, le- Lego, my yeah, yeah. waffles. Like, le- leave my waffles alone. Yeah. Right? Ego, my waffles. Lego, my ego. Egos. Okay. Yeah, that, there you go.
1: Uh, but then you have the geocentric model. Yeah. Geo, Earth. He's, he's basically saying that, that the Earth is the center of everything. So that holds, again, like Galen, over a thousand years, that holds as the common belief wow. for everyone. Yeah. So just someone worth mentioning that at the time, science believes, you know, that how fast science can change really we look all the way to our time and we see what science is is telling us and we realize stuff can change really fast or really slow for that matter yeah so interesting look at uh ptolemy he's another figure that that uh, is very intriguing when you come down to he he explains stuff in a very uh understandable way but in in the grand scheme of things you know over a thousand years later uh, ones like Kepler and uh, uh, Galileo and and Copernicus, they start talking about what, this this is not what it is. you know the Earth is not the center of our solar system. So pretty interesting stuff there. Dave, we got a it looks like we got a pretty good second century episode. Here. I
0: you know, I was happy with. It. I feel like you know the second century for me, it's like remember when they they, they brought the Hubble online and they just like picked a, a part of space, it's like a black spot. And then they zoom in, and it's, like, all these stars. Like, that's the second century. You're like, oh, what happened? I don't know. And then you research it, and there's all this crazy stuff that happened. Amazing stuff that happened. You had
1: highlights for me. Toilet paper. Yeah. Hadrian's Hadrian's beard wall. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, Galen telling us that, you know, stuff's stuff can get real bad out there in the medical world
0: yeah yeah i can't you know and he was the uh i guess he was the doctor to uh marcus aurelius and marcus aurelius died from the plague the uh the uh, the antonine plague so i mean not to bring it down but they didn't have a cure well if you're bringing it real hey should we uh, speaking of plague should we have a word from our fake sponsor yeah, definitely, right. So it's not a good idea to say speaking of plagues, but I know this episode is brought to you by hand sanitizer. Do you ever wonder, man, do I have any cuts on my hand, but I don't know where they are? Try hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, thanks. thanks
1: again. So we'll see you for the third century. All right, signing off.